Hi friends, thanks for watching. Well, the next time you see me on video, I will have had a haircut and I am so looking forward to it. Last week as things reopened, I went to book a haircut and the earliest I could get it was July 7th with the place that I go to. And I looked back and saw that the last time I had a haircut was February 25th. So I am looking forward to getting cleaned up. Well, <clears throat> we are in the last week of our series in Colossians about the unrivaled Jesus and looking at what that means for us as the Apostle Paul wrote this letter to Christians so long ago. How does it help us today? And it's been a great series to go through. And this week we're wrapping up with just the final verses of the letter, the final words of the letter that he wrote and he's recognizing different people. So have you ever been recognized for doing something or has someone ever thanked you just simply for who you are? How did that feel when they did that? Maybe you've taken the time to recognize somebody else or you have thanked somebody else for either who they are or what they've done. And often it's easier to thank people for what they've done than for who they are and yet Recognizing a person's being um, can often be profoundly more impacting than just thanking them for what they've done. But either one has merit. And there's power in doing that for people. And that's what the Apostle Paul's doing here as he wraps up this letter. Now, it's interesting, as I was preparing for the sermon this week, I actually had a conversation with someone this week who contacted me and we talked about an opportunity that we had missed in the past to acknowledge somebody. And yeah, and we just had a conversation about a missed opportunity and actually saw, um, are seeking to um, do better at that. There's something profound in, in thanking people and in recognizing their contribution or or taking note of their character and who they are. And often we could just simply refer to that as encouraging people. And encouragement is an incredibly powerful tool that we have as a community. In fact, encouragement is, is a way to strengthen a community. Listen to these words that the writer to the Hebrews, there's a, a letter in the New Testament called Hebrews, and in Hebrews 3.13, the author writes this, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. There is a power in encouraging people that actually lends itself to the spiritual formation of a community. Sometimes people re will refer to that as spiritual warfare. And what the author in Hebrews is saying is when we encourage one another by acknowledging um, character and contributions, we're actually building up the community so that they aren't so easily swayed by the impact of a broken world, broken hearts inside, um, what the Bible often refers to as sinfulness. And encouragement is, is an amazing weapon <laughs> In, in fighting against um, the things of this life that are regularly trying to bring us down. 
So, in the passage that was read for us today, there are a lot of names that are mentioned. And I want to actually walk us through looking at some of the people that are listed here to get a little snapshot of them and then just lead that into today. So let's look at some of the Apostle Paul's good news partners that he lists. And, and we begin with a guy named Tychicus. And he is noted as being someone who is, uh, who is loved and he's a faithful helper. And he is willing to work alongside of Paul. He was one of his traveling companions. And he meant a lot to Paul. So Paul takes the time to acknowledge him by name and to thank him. And he's actually entrusting him with explaining to the people in Colos, the Christians that are there, what's been happening, and to give them an update and to encourage them. So he was in the trenches with Paul, and Paul traveled extensively, and they all made a lot of sacrifices in order to share the good news of Jesus with the people that they were in contact with. So he's also somebody who's an encourager. So Paul says in verse 8, I'm sending him so that you will know how we're doing and because it will encourage you. And then Paul mentions this, this man named Onesimus. And just a couple letters after Colossians, there's a letter to Philemon, a man who was at the church in Colossus. And Onesimus was one of the slaves that he had that had obviously run away, ended up in prison with Paul, came to faith, and then Paul was sending him back. And Paul is kind of, I think, setting up the, the scenario for them to receive Onesimus or Onesimus in a healthy way. In fact, his name means useful one. And Onesimus was someone who got things done. He was helpful to Paul. And Paul is just simply acknowledging that. Hey, this guy, when I need something done, I can give it to him and it will get done. And interestingly, even though he's a slave, Paul calls him a beloved brother. So, as we talked about in previous week, he's elevating Onesimus to a new status. And then there's this guy named Aristarchus, and he was in prison with Paul. If you go to the book of Acts, and you read through Acts chapter um, 19 and 20, you'll read that, that Paul is involved, and his companions are involved in a riot in the city. And one of the people that was grabbed by a mob of people and drug into a public space, and likely uh, beat up pretty severely, was Aristarchus. Here's a guy who was willing to put his life on the line, along with Paul, so that they could share the good news with people. And Paul is simply saying to them, this is somebody that I love, and he sends you his greetings. And then Paul mentions this young guy named Mark. Mark is someone that the Apostle Paul wasn't favorable towards uh, early on. In Acts chapter 15, you'll read near the end of Acts 15 that Paul and his traveling companion Barnabas have a pretty strong um, dispute about whether they should take young Mark along with them because he had abandoned them earlier. And Paul, in some ways, didn't have time for someone who was just going to bail ship. And yet here, and in the letter to Timothy, Paul is acknowledging Mark as someone who's useful and, and helpful to him in his ministry. And he's acknowledging Mark, and he's saying, when Mark comes, he's going to need hospitality. And there's a wonderful reminder that there are people in our midst 
that we have the opportunity to show hospitality to. And again, that's another form of encouragement. That's another form of strengthening a community. And so Mark is simply mentioned as, as someone that they should honor by offering hospitality to. And then I love that in verse 11, here in Colossians 4, we read about somebody named Jesus, or another, another word name for him was justice. And Paul's just simply saying, hey, he sends you his greetings. And I just thought, you know, if ever you come across somebody with the name Jesus as a friend, uh, other than uh, Jesus, the Christ that we follow or that we're exploring, if you meet somebody named Jesus, run with it. Enjoy the friendship with them. And that's kind of tongue-in-cheek, and Jesus is a, is a Greek form of the name Joshua. Now, let's pay attention to chapter 4, verse 11 here, if you're following along. So Paul's talking about some of the Jewish believers that he's just mentioned uh, that are with him, Aristarchus and Mark and, and Justice. And then he says this, they are among my co-workers, and they are working with me here for the kingdom of God, and what a comfort they have been. What a comfort they have been. There is a bond that happens when people go through difficult experiences together. And so Paul has been in prison, Aristarchus has been in prison with him, Tychicus has been in difficult scenarios with him, Mark has been in difficult scenarios with him. And Paul is saying, these people were with me in, in the most challenging times that I've faced, and they have been an amazing comfort to me. And research has shown that some of the strongest bonds of friendship and love that are formed are among people that go through um, incredibly difficult experiences together. So often, uh, military personnel that have served in, in live conflict zones, whether it's a war or some other type of conflict, the bonds that are formed between uh, often those men are some of the strongest that can be formed. And here Paul is saying, as we went through um, some incredibly difficult times, these are the people that stuck by me, and they have been an amazing comfort. Those are strong bonds that are formed when we go through incredibly difficult circumstances. And it just got me to thinking, I wonder what word there is in that for us today as we go through the difficulty of a pandemic together. And we have the opportunity to, to start being together more often and encourage each other in person. And sometimes just being together is the encouragement. And so I, it just leaves me wondering as we come out of the pandemic and yet still face all of the um, the difficulties ahead as a result of it, what does being together in the midst of that mean for us as, as we think about what Paul is writing here? So, just a, a thought with those words that he shares. So, I want to just jump over Epaphras. I'll come back to him. And then Paul mentions Luke, the beloved doctor, in verse 14. And it's interesting because Luke is one of these guys that comes under the radar. And yet, if you think about it, 
Um, next to the Apostle Paul, Luke is probably the most influential preacher and communicator in the early church. Uh, you know, it is highly likely that he wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. And if you just take those by sheer volume, there is more writing there than in all of the letters that Paul wrote. He was an incredibly significant communicator of the good news. And yet we don't often hear a lot about Luke. And yet he's, if you, you bump into him in the book of Acts, where as he's writing Acts, um, you can tell when he meets Paul because he starts using the second person plural, we. And he talks about he and Paul as we. We went here, we did this. I think it's in Acts 16. So let's look at Demas. And Paul says, Luke, as well as Demas, send you their greetings. And yet, if you hop over to 2 Timothy chapter 4 near the end, Paul says, Demas has abandoned us because he loved the things of this world. And, and it's just interesting, Paul gives him credit here, and yet in another letter he says, hey, you know, he's no longer with us. And, and I just appreciate the fact that, that Paul acknowledges that. You know, sometimes um, the pressure gets to be too much, and, and some people... Um, they just choose to opt out. And, and I think there's just this ability for us to be loving and gracious toward those that may just say, you know what, uh, I'm out for now and I've got to rethink this. And then let's come back to Epaphras. You know, Paul mentions uh, him earlier that he's coming and that he has been praying for people, that he loves these people. He's an encourager. He's one of them. And, and Paul is just acknowledging all that this person has done. And it's obvious as you read the beginning of Colossians and the end that um, he's a pretty special person among the community. And Paul is just recognizing that and encouraging him. And by doing so, I think encouraging all the others as they reflect on him. And then we come in verse 15. He says, um, Greetings to our brothers and sisters at Laodicea, which was a city just a few miles away uh, to the west of Colos, and to Nympha in the church that meets in her house. And he mentions this woman and the fact that she's a leader of the church in Nympha. And obviously a wealthy person, a patron who was, who was supporting the gathering of people together. And she was a leader in the church. And it just reminded me of, of Lydia that we meet in Acts chapter 16, who was a very influential uh, Jewish person that Paul uses to start the church in the city of Philippi. And it reminds me of uh, Romans 16, where Paul does something very similar to here. And I encourage you, Read the end of Colossians 4 and then hop over to Romans 16 and see the list of names that Paul mentions in Romans 16 and the number of women that he mentions as apostles and deacons and leaders in the church. And we've, you know, we, we look earlier at um, the household codes in Colossians 3 and we dealt with some of um, the way that that may be misused or misunderstood. And here I think Nympha just adds to this trajectory that Paul is setting in a patriarchal world of recognizing the importance of women not only to be present in the community of faith, but to also be leaders and teachers in the community of faith. And so as we go through all these names, you're like, you know, these are just names. And yet if you can get beyond that and you hear the description of them, maybe it gets you thinking about different people that you know who are in your community or who are part of our New Life family. 
Who do these people in Colossians 4 remind you of? Paul is taking the time to acknowledge them by name. And in so doing, he um, is encouraging both them and the community as the community thinks about them. So who is there in your life that these people remind you of? Why not take an opportunity right now to send them a note of encouragement, make a phone call, send an email or a text, or better yet, get a piece of paper or a note card and write a note to it and get it to them. Through the mail, drop it in their mailbox, hand it to them in person, and thank them both for who they are and for maybe what they've done. So this leads me to thinking about us as a faith community. You know, and I don't know how large the church was in, in Colos, but, but it makes me think of our own community here at New Life and all the people who have journeyed with us. And I just encourage you to think back over the years, um, whether you've been with us, you know, for a short time or, you know, you might have to think about other people. Um, but many of you have been traveling and journeying with us at New Life for many years. And just think back to the people who have contributed to the community of faith here that has impacted you in some way. And, and I don't have the privilege of being able to name a whole bunch of people, but there are many of you who have been full of faithfulness and love and contributing to a community that is centering ourselves around Jesus and expressing his love to one another in the midst of our diversity and our differences. And I say thank you. Many of you have been a part of our New Life family for decades. You have been steadfast and loyal and faithful through the highs and the lows. And we've gone through some difficult times here at New Life in the past 20 years. And even before then, we've gone through some amazingly uh, wonderful times. And you've been here through all of it. You have remained faithful. Even though you may have been hurt at times or you may have disagreed with some decisions at times, that's the beauty of being a family is that we, we covenant to one another as we um, make that commitment to Jesus as well. There are so many of you that are willing to just help out in a variety of different places. You have this wonderful gift of saying, I will help. And whatever it is, I'll try to do what I can to make it work. And for those of you, I say thank you. There are a variety of you who love working with children and youth, and you have made a huge difference in the lives of our young people. And I know that they will be looking forward to seeing you again, and you will see them and be amazed at how much they've grown over the past 18 months. But we want to acknowledge you and thank you for what you've been doing. There are a number of you who have been with us for a long time, and you've actually got to a point where you're saying, I can't actually do a lot anymore because of health or just simply my age. And I think of some that are even in nursing homes now and, and I've been to visit and I just think, wow, thank you for all that you've done. Even though you may not be able to do as much now, uh, you are still uh, rooting and cheering and praying for us. There are many of you who are new and you have jumped in with both feet. Some of you have jumped in You've only joined us since we've been online, and you've been jumping in with both feet. Uh, we have one uh, gentleman who's actually editing our videos, um, post-editing the videos that we make, and, and he's only part of our online community because he lives so far away. 
And there are many of you who have done that. And we say thank you. Welcome to our family. Thank you for, for trusting us and, and journeying with us, even though we haven't been able to meet in person. We have so many young families that have been through an incredibly difficult year, and you've hung in there. And I know you want to be together, and I know it's incredibly difficult to think about doing uh, really much of anything right now, but school is done. You just need to catch your breath. Thank you. Thank you for just doing what you can and being who you are. We have a number of young adults who are navigating life, and they are choosing to do that by being um, faithful to our community here at New Life and participating and bringing a different perspective than, than others of us would have. And I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for our children who bring joy and vitality to our faith community. And if we went from high school, grade 12, down to infants in the nursery, we have 70 to 80 children who do, might be here on a Sunday that are just, uh, or, or here during the week. In fact, um, some of our youth had an event this week and they were out in the field doing some things and it was wonderful to see them. And it just filled me with joy. We have many of you who love being behind the scenes. The idea of getting in front of a camera or standing up on the stage is just something that you're like, no, no thank you. But you will, um, you know, give your blood, sweat and tears in all kinds of areas and nobody may ever know about it, and you're fine with that. Thank you for being that way. There are countless of you that have just been faithful in your generosity, not only with your time, but you've been, been generous with your financial support of New Life. And because of your generosity, we have kept 10 people employed. We have been working with some local um, charities in, in helping people with um, uh, rent payments, helping with utilities, um, helping with food insecurity. And a lot of money has gone out to help those organizations. Um, we've been helping a lot of our own people internally. And there are many of you that choose to give generously and even sacrificially because you know that doing that is a way to combat the, the false God in our life of materialism and individualism. And it is so easy to justify the purchasing uh, that we make. And, um, and when you give generously and even sacrificially on a regular basis and not a one-off basis, that combats against uh, the selfishness that we tend to be um, leaning towards naturally. And materialism is such a powerful uh, force in our world. And one of the best ways to work against that is to be habitual and rhythmic in generosity. So many of you give weekly or you give bi-weekly or you give monthly. And it has supported our ministry throughout this pandemic. And we say thank you. We have taken a financial hit. There's no doubt about that. But many of you have still remained faithful in the midst of all of this. And, and it, has, it has helped tremendously, more than you may even realize. So thank you. A lot of you help with just care issues, you know, of visiting, praying, listening, helping people through difficulties. Thank you. There's a whole slew of you that stepped up to become uh, neighborhood caregivers and making phone calls and checking in on people. And, uh, and it's just been tremendous to see how that has ramped up during the pandemic rather than um, going away. 
I want to acknowledge our staff who have been through the trenches in the last 18 months, and there are bonds that have formed that are tighter than ever. And we do have some staff transitions, and that's a that's a, a painful. And we we release you know the staff that are moving on, and we do so with joy, and we recognize they leave a hole, and so we will work towards uh, what a new um, mix will will be. But our staff have tried things, they've experimented, they've they've pivoted and shifted over and over again through the pandemic. Sometimes we've done things and they have just been, you know, uh, met, you know, they just didn't work and it was incredibly discouraging and we picked ourselves up and we dusted ourselves off and we moved on. And so I, I just want to say thank you to all of our staff, our those who are involved in ministry, those who are involved in administration, those who are involved in cleaning, in our nursery school. Thank you. I could go on and on. There's this wonderful power of encouragement. It spiritually builds a community of faith. And so I wanted to do what Paul has done here, and probably not as well as he has done, but to say thank you. And I want to end with the words that Paul ends the letter of Colossians with as he's thinking about these people that he's never met, and yet he uh, loves them and wants what is best for them. As I think about you, each of you, as as I go through our list of New Life families, and there are many, and, and, um, and different individuals that are a part of our family, locally and beyond. Uh, my heart is filled with love. My heart is filled with joy and with gratitude for who you are and for how you contribute to our family of faith. And so I conclude with the words that Paul used to conclude his letter. May God's grace be with you. Amen.